Welcome to The Driven Entrepreneur, where we sit down with visionaries, trailblazers, and entrepreneurs and discover why and how they do what they do. We'll get the backstory, plus plenty of life and business lessons along the way. Here's your host, Matt Browning. Hey, what's up? Welcome back to The Driven Entrepreneur. I'm Matt Browning. And today is a good day. This week is a phenomenal week. Um, I hope you're getting out there and doing something great. Hope you're getting out there and crushing it. That's why we're coming together. And that's why every single week I bring really the best of the best to jump into how to make your life and how to make your business the best thing it possibly be. This week, my guest is David Meltzer. You've probably followed Dave Meltzer uh, on Instagram at David Meltzer. You've probably seen what he's doing in Sports One Marketing. You've probably even listened to the Playbook podcast. Um, he is a big name. He's up there, in my opinion, up there with uh, Tim Ferriss and Gary Vee and Lewis Howes and a lot of these, these guys that are out really making a name. You've done phenomenal things and you have some great advice, especially for those of us starting up here. Uh, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for, uh, for coming on, man. You know, the co-founder and chief executive officer at Sports Marketing One, uh, you've been doing for the last 25 years, an entrepreneur and executive. You've been in legal, you've been in technology, sports, entertainment, all across every different industry. But probably your biggest thing that, at least how I follow you is, you know, when you worked with Lee Steinberg Sports and Entertainment, and of course, you're um, launching and doing your own sports agency as well, um, having negotiated over $2 billion in sports entertainment contracts with them. And you're sitting on all sorts of different boards. You mostly in sports, but you, of course, are in business and everything else. What, how would you define yourself? If, if I said, what industry is Dave Meltzer in? Can you answer that? Or how do you approach that? Yeah. I'm the CEO that likes to go around the world helping people. So I've matured from technology, of course, sports and entertainment. But my main core business is to utilize all the skills, the knowledge, and the inspiration that I've learned throughout all these years as a true serial entrepreneur to empower others, to empower others, to be happy. And I know it's a probably trite type of definition, but I'm just so blessed, just so blessed uh, to have the opportunity to travel the world to help people as a CEO of multiple businesses and multiple verticals. Well, you're obviously traveling right now. I mean, we can hear uh, here in the background on your phone. You, you're, you, <laughs> you t tell us a little bit about what, what you're doing because right now we're sneaking a little bit of time. Uh, you're on the way to the Baltimore yeah. Ravens facility. You came off of, of several different interviews. Uh, what's your tour look like yep. right now and, how, and where are we finding you? Right. So I took the red eye in to Washington, D.C. and went directly into the NFLPA, then over to visit the Wizards and Capitals and meet with the Zachary office, the owner. Uh, uh, of the, that team. And then from there, we went over to interview. There was a CTA, the Consumer Technology Association meeting with a ton of different congressmen and senators and was blessed to have an interview with the CEO, Gary Shapiro. And then we took off from there and now we're on a train to Baltimore to go meet with the Ravens. And so, uh, it, you know, it'll be a, a very busy day, uh, active day, and it's a normal day for me. Well, I, again, I appreciate you taking the time. So I just wanted to mention that too. So forgive us, man, for the for a little bit of background noise. It, it's well worth it to to jump into this conversation. Did you grow up like a, a huge sports fan as a kid, or what got you into that in the first place? Because I feel like this is part of your life. You know, sports. 
yeah, you know, I wanted to be a professional athlete. And the reason I really wanted to be a professional athlete, I wanted to be a football player because I love football. But moreover, I really was driven by money. I was grew up with six kids and a single mom. And what I really wanted to do was buy her a house and a car. And growing up in kind of the inner city of Akron, Ohio, I decided the best way to do that was to be a professional football player. Uh, even though my mom's mantra was doctor, lawyer, or failure. <laughs> wow. Doctor, lawyer, failure. So as a football player, you wouldn't have made it as far as your mom's concerned. No, in fact, I did play, you get a scholarship to college and play football in college. And I actually got run over my very first game freshman year by a guy named Christian Okoye, who they nicknamed the Nigerian Nightmares with AFC Player of the Year. But I remember lying on my back and saying to myself, as I, he ran me over and actually stepped on me, I remember saying, doctor, lawyer, or failure. And I decided at that time, I better start studying hard to be a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> and at that point, did you, like, did you think maybe football's not the, in the future for me, so I'm going to go to school and do that? Or did you, did you always have that entrepreneurial blood as well? Like, you know, were you a lemonade stand kind of kid or did you just say, hey, I'm going to follow one of these careers? Yeah, no, I was, I was always entrepreneurial. And in fact, the reason I got my first job out of law school was because in college I sold books, uh, which was, you know, encyclopedias back then with the whole educational system. And in law school, when my summer was, I woke up at 4 a.m. to sell uh, Roadrunner Sports tennis shoes incoming sales. Uh, which led to when I graduated law school, as I developed uh, an understanding that doctors had to be in hospitals, I uh, came up with the motto, you know, be more interested than interesting. Because at 18 years old, I thought to be a sports doctor, you just had to be involved in teams and training rooms, but I had no idea you actually had to be in hospitals. So I teach kids all the time, hey, if you want to be something, be more interested than interesting. I ended up going to law school to follow my mom's mantra, doctor, lawyer, or failure. And when I graduated, I got two job offers. One was to be a traditional lawyer, an oil and gas litigator, make a lot of money so I could buy my mom a house and a car. But moreover, I was offered a job in the internet and uh, to sell legal research online. And probably the best decision that I made, which actually was against my mom's advice, because my mom told me that I should be a real lawyer because the internet was going to be a fad. And the internet was going to be a fad. Mom, I'm working for the internet now. You never believe it. Yeah, so when I bought her the house and the car nine months out of law school and proved to her not only the internet wasn't a fad, but also that I was an extraordinary salesperson and that it was a lot easier to be an extraordinary salesperson than to be a litigator. Uh, and I could work anywhere, anytime, and in the economy to pick and choose what I wanted to sell. Uh, that's really where I created great inertia and momentum in my life. And it set me apart from so many other people as a true serial entrepreneur. So Dave, when it comes to, you said being kind of a serial entrepreneur, so you decide to not stay in medicine, you're doing law. At what point did you come out of, you, you said you're like, you're selling, but doing law. At what point did you realize, you know what, I'm not really in the law business. I'm in the sales business. And you, when did you decide to expand yourself and say, let's get into some other industries as well? Uh, maybe dip back into sports and some of the other pieces? How did that come along? Like, Great question because, you know, I, I was so insecure about not being a real lawyer. You know, my mom raised me as a third degree black belt in the martial arts of two <laughs> skills. And uh, so 
I, I, I was driven by the fact that although I was selling legal research online, I really would tell people I was a lawyer for a legal publisher, even though I didn't practice law. My mom made me take the bar and I passed the bar. But I, when the true entrepreneurial side came was about two and a half years into my career, we sold the company to uh, Thomson Reuters uh, for $3.4 billion. And uh, when that happened, you know, I started realizing how my skills, my sales skills, my communication skills, um, all the different things that I had learned could be utilized to help raise money, to have more equity. You know, so I made a little bit of money in the, in the transaction, but not retiring money at 25, but enough to buy a huge house on the water and, you know, give me a little bit of investment money. But that's really where the catalyst occurred that I shifted from selling people I was a lawyer into telling them I was an entrepreneur specializing in sales, which included raising money, investing money, you know, understanding how to buy and sell things. And so I started looking at all types of different industries, especially within technology. And I raised $169 million with a company called EveryPath, which was in the wireless proxy service space. And at 32, ended up being the CEO of Samsung's first phone division the world's first smartphone, a Windows CE device. Uh, and that was my first executive role. But the irony is I ended up losing that job because in the end, we grew so much that they realized my skills was really sales and raising money and, and building a vision. I really wasn't a true executive uh, in which those skills came much later in my career to be an operator, to be an Excel, you know, a, a motivator of others to build and execute on a vision, not just sell a vision. So first off, wow, I did not know uh, either one of those two things about you, about uh, being the head of Samsung there with the phone division or raising $169 million. But you mentioned something that I think is something that a lot of young entrepreneurs struggle with. I certainly do um, and have over the years. The difference between being the visionary and being the operator and What's some insight? I know you you said early on that that wasn't you, and you've learned to add that skill set. Do you believe being the operator, like CEO versus COO, so to speak, is that something that can be learned and and a skill that can be built upon, or do you feel like that's more uh, like innate character and personality, and it's about finding the right person for those roles? How would you go about that today, and what's your take on that? You know, I think that. All of those roles, COO, CFO, CEO, uh, with the right mentorship and practice that you can learn those things. But there is and are intangible characteristics, unconscious competencies that certain people have that allow them to be a better COO, a better CFO, a better CEO. And, uh, and the same thing in sales, right? I know some extraordinary salespeople that have worked for me that are what I call journeymen that are just a professional in what they do. They practice, they utilize mentorship, uh, they utilize work ethic in order to effectuate or execute on being really, really good salespeople. But in any profession, sports, business, accounting, whatever it is, there are certain unconscious competencies that are the difference between the LeBron James and the average player in the NBA, right? The average player in the NBA you know, the Danny Shazes, the, the journeymen that are in the league, there's something special. There's an unconscious competency for different positions uh, in the world. And that includes COO, CFO, C, 
MO and CEO. And I had found that, you know, my innate abilities were in the visionary side of being a salesperson. Although I practiced really hard, got mentorship and learned how to be a great operator. There's others out there that are just born uh, into that unconscious competency. And at this point in your career, if you say you, you start a new company or you're, you're investing in something, would you rather try to, to find the right person to say, you know what, I don't want to be the operator. I'm going to find the best operator, put them in. Or would you rather say find someone you're co-founding with and then help to teach them how to do that the right way? Does that make sense? I'd much rather find somebody. So uh, just because of where I am in my career, I want to impact as many people as I can. And so in order to do that, my vision and my technique is to empower others, to empower others. And so to do that, I teach people to fish. I motivate them to fish so they can teach and motivate other people to fish. Um, there's no question in my mind that's where I am in my career. I've had a, a nice run at operating and building and raising money for businesses. Now, like I said, I like to be the CEO who travels around the world empowering people to do it themselves. What a, what, what, what a good answer. What would you tell somebody that is starting out? Because we have, you know, as you might imagine, the driven entrepreneur, we have a lot of startup entrepreneurs listening uh, and people in those early phases as well. Would you suggest looking for maybe like the right partnership or looking to try to put someone in place or maybe again if you're in this early stage uh, i think sometimes you know we have to wear 1500 hats and that might not be my hat do you have any advice or suggestions on what to do in that early stage maybe before you're big enough to hire out yeah would you try to do it yourself and learn what you need to do or would you partner up with someone who's already great at that you know i I actually have a technique and it's a very simple technique. It's a little matrix that I formed realizing that in order to accelerate and exponentially grow a company, what you need to do is be able to connect emotionally in person, on the phone, via email and media, which includes radio, print, TV and social media. But what most entrepreneurs don't realize is that whether or not you put someone into place, have a partnership, have a group of, of partners. It just doesn't matter. The key is, number one, in person on the phone via email and media, we need to focus in on providing value. Uh, and we need to trust the universe that we provide value, that all that we need will come rapidly and accurately to us. And the way that we utilize and exponentially grow is the most important advice that I give. And I still give myself every day and ask for help. Uh, in whatever form you want to take, whether it's a partnership or whether it's raising money, whatever it is, the e easiest question to ask and the most statistically successful question to ask is, do you know anyone that can help me? And so if you're providing service and value every day and growing and learning your own business and asking for help by a simple question, do you know anyone that can help me? Whether it's a partnership, a group, money, whatever resources it is to scale uh, that business for yourself, I think it's really important to ask those two questions every day in person on the phone, via email and media. How can I be a service or how do I provide value? And two, do you know anyone that can help me? What a great question to ask. Do you know anyone who can help me? Because what that does too is, you know, if you're already coming from a place of value, I'd, I'd, I'd love that. Like if you've just been a value giver and, and you know, one of those people who really cares and you ask me that question, 
first off, I'm going to put myself in the picture, I would think, and say, gosh, hopefully it's me. Hopefully I can help you. Right. And then what is it? Or I'm going to think about my connections and who I can introduce you to and who might be able to do that. I love your, your what do you do statement in a way uh, for Sports One Marketing. You say, we help a lot of people, make a lot of money, and have a lot of fun. How did you come up with that or who came up with that? And why, why that order or why that simple? Is there a story to it? Yeah. So like any other CEO, when I partnered up with uh, Hall of Fame quarterback Warren Moon, who I nicknamed QB1 Kenobi because he's so wise, so clear, and so concise in what he does. Uh, but I had created this long-winded, typical mission statement that talked about, you know, coalescing the vapors of human existence and leveraging relationship capital and, uh, you know, situational knowledge. And I brought it to Warren to say, here's my mission statement. And he looked at me and said, Dave, what does this mean? This just looks like a bunch of bullshit to me. And I'm like, oh, all right. Uh, so he said, what does this part mean? And I said, that part means I want to create abundance. I want to make a lot of money because I can't give what I don't have. And so many people make the mistake about money. They have the wrong energy towards it. They don't know that money is a, uh, a very important thing because it allows you to shop. It's not that it buys you. Maybe you should be happy. And if you shop at the wrong things, you'll be empty and purposeless. So he looked at that first part and he said to himself, you know what? Why don't we just say the mission of our business is to make a lot of money? I said, all right. And then he said, what's this part mean? I said, well, basically what it means is I want to help a lot of people. I want to travel around the world. I want to make an impact on the world. Everything I do has to have a social purpose or cause tied to it. I want to help people, Warren. And I know you do as well. And he said, okay. And why do we have to have this superfluous language? Just say I want to make money and help people. And then finally, the last part about you know creating an atmosphere full of sports and entertainment with the biggest names, blah, blah, blah. He goes, what does this mean? I'm like, basically, I want to surround ourselves with a backdrop of what I love to do. I have a passion and a purpose and profitability. And that comes from having fun. And I don't want to do something that's not fun. And so he said to me, you know, really... That's it. Make a lot of money, help a lot of people, and have a lot of fun. And some people ask me, why do you put make a lot of money first over helping a lot of people? I said, because you can't get what you don't have. Too many people make that mistake. If you really want to help people, you can only give what you have, so you better have a lot. And whether it's time, resources, education, or money. And then your, yeah, so it's help a lot of people, which is brilliant. And I love this. It's like, if you're going to help a lot of people, you got to make a lot of money to do that. And if you're going to make a lot of money helping people, you should be having a lot of fun when you're doing it too. <laughs> Pretty cool thing. Hey, just to quickly switch gears, there's, I think there's a funny story in here somewhere. Uh, when we first were chatting for a second, and in fact, I'll, I'll take you back when I saw uh, your PR agent or somebody put in and connected with the podcast, right? About having you on. And I was like, oh my gosh, yeah. And the very first thing I saw when I saw your name, I was like, I wonder, is that Dave Meltzer from the Wrestling Observer, the pro wrestling journalist? Because I'm a huge pro wrestling nerd. I have been since I was a kid and I love it. I got you know friends in the industry and I just follow it like mad. Loved WrestleMania. And I thought, is that him? No, nah, there's no way. And then I look and I go, oh, it's the other Dave Meltzer. <laughs> Not that you're the other one, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, you're the, the sports marketing agent. You're the entrepreneur, Dave Meltzer. And then I ask you and you go, oh, I actually know him. So have you been mistaken for Dave Meltzer before? Do you ever run in the same circles? Because I know they're wrestling is sports and entertainment and you're kind of doing sports and entertainment. Yeah, it's so much fun. Early on in my career, because the other Dave Meltzer is a little older than I am. And way back in the WWF days, 
Uh, oh, Dave, yeah. Dave was well known. And I was in uh, my apartment my third year in law school. And back then there was no cell phone. So the phone rings in my kitchen and the, and the phone was connected to the wall back then. And I answered it and it was USA Today. And the USA Today said, is this Dave Meltzer? I said, yeah, it's Dave Meltzer. And because I went to Tulane University in New Orleans and it was my third year of law school, I think there may have been a little bit of drinking involved. And so I said, yeah, this is Dave Meltzer. And he said, can I get a quote from you about Stone Cold Steve Austin and, you know, I think Goldberg or somebody. And so <laughs> I just, I gave him a quote, uh, just made up some quote about my own feelings about world wrestling. And it ended up getting in the USA Today. And then later on, I realized, because there was really no internet back then. So, you know, it's not like I thought anything about that. I just thought, oh, that's weird. Anyway, later on in my career, of course, I, I wonder why they asked me. Exactly. I find out there's this other Dave Meltzer. And then as I became more and more famous and more and more well-known, I get a lot of interview requests. And on several interviews, still, even at the Super Bowl, I was halfway through an interview on XM uh, Sirius. And the guys realized halfway through, they were asking me about Ronda Rousey and how she was going to do the WWE stuff. And they realized, oh, shit, we got the wrong Dave Meltzer. <laughs> And so we actually eliminated it. So now, nowadays, what do you do? Do you, do, do you text the other Dave Meltzer or do you just say, yeah, you know, let me tell you about Ronda Rousey. She deserves the main event. I, I literally, I'm so good at elimination now. So like I let them know immediately, hey, I think you have the wrong Dave Meltzer, but let me share with you my thoughts because I am a sports marketing person and I can give you my opinion. Although I think that other Dave Meltzer has much more knowledge. My favorite thing that happens now though is there are people that who attack me because they think I'm the other Dave Meltzer. So one person DM me and they're like, you're an idiot. You don't know anything about wrestling. You don't know anything about this. I said, that's really funny because you don't even know who I am. Talk about not knowing anything. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. I don't know that much about pro wrestling. That's not exactly my... Exactly. <laughs> so I've had a lot of fun with that. Hey, talk Dude, that's awesome. And, and you said, and you do know him now or you become friends over the years? Yeah, because I, I pass on leads to him and miscommunication. So I try my best. I have his cell phone and email. So I just pass it on and say, hey, you go ahead and deal with this guy. Uh, that's hilarious. Hey, go ahead and deal with the internet troll for me. Appreciate <laughs> Please, it, bud. Exactly. <laughs> what brought you into the idea of, uh, of sports agent work? I know you, you, you worked with the larger company for a long time. You're doing that now uh, on your own or, you know, obviously with, with Warren Moon. Um, you know, I think most people listening, at least, you know, for me, I'm not a huge sports guy. So I'm familiar with the idea. I've seen Jerry Maguire. How does it really work as an industry? And who should ever think about getting into that? Like, is it a really, really tough thing to be? Is it cutthroat? Is it really fun and supportive? What's, what's the world of sports marketing, sports agency? And I know you do more than that. You're also helping them build brands for themselves and so many things like that. Yeah. How, how, this is, the decision yeah. to get into that, and what's that industry like? So, you know, initially I accidentally fell into the industry because I had great skills, knowledge, and desire. And I met Lee Steinberg, and they made the movie Jerry Maguire about. And of course, he was very sim similar to my brother who went to Harvard. He's extremely intelligent. And I think I wasn't looking for a job, but I believe Lee offered me the job as chief operating officer of the most notable sports agency because I knew how to communicate with him because I'd been living with my brother my entire life. And he was almost an identical energy to my brother. And uh, sports agency is, is different, right? This is where that saying, be more interested than interesting because so many kids 
uh, want to be sports agents. They see ballers, they see our list, they see all these different shows. And, you know, really being a sports agent is about being a lawyer and a recruiter. Uh, those are the two things that you need to be. You need to be a, you know, an employment lawyer, a collective bargaining agreement type of guy, a transactional lawyer, a very good one. But more importantly, you got to be a recruiter. The key to being a good agent is to be able to get a client. And, you know, people ask me all the time, how do you get into the industry? You know how you get in the industry? Get a client. You know, whether you're working for a big firm or trying to break off on your own, sooner or later, if you want to be a sports agent, you got to get a client. And then you got to service that client, manage and develop his vision with good legal work. Uh, I particularly uh, didn't like that profession as much, which is why, you know, 10 years ago, Warren Moon and I spun off our own marketing company, which allows us to handpick what we want to do within the realm of sports entertainment with big brands, with uh, humanitarian efforts like the Clemente family, Jackie Robinson, the Pro Football Hall of Fame, always tying in different charitable purposes or cause so that we can hire athletes, so that we can provide more money to charity. Uh, so I truly enjoy the sports marketing side, specifically in sponsorship, advertising, and media. I've become an expert in those and building not only other people's brands, but my own brand and, you know, putting the proof to the test, you know, to take a middle-aged mutant like myself and turn me into a worldwide brand from China to Europe to America with speaking and coaching and book writing and podcast and TV show. Uh, you know, it's been a, a true blessing to really see that the techniques that I use could be used on even someone like myself. And I, you know, really derive in that industry of building brands, elevating awareness, uh, you know, understanding frequencies, which are so important. And even more importantly, really creating what I call the stage theory, where I've created a new economy around sports that aren't necessarily evolving around the TV or the live broadcast of a sport. It's really capturing the content amplifying it for monetization and perpetuating it for even further monetization. So this theory, the stage theory that I came up with of capture, amplify, and perpetuate has really escalated, uh, you know, not only the business, but also my own career. How long into, or how long ago, maybe better question, did you realize that you were also, because you're always building your own brand to an extent, but how long ago did you realize that you really were building a full, almost a company, right? Because again, I, I said when I introduced you, you remind me of, and I saw you with, um, you know, I know you were doing something recently. I saw a press release with um, uh, Vayner Sports doing Vayner, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk. Yeah. You guys were doing something together as well, putting an event on. Um, when did you really, yeah. I, I look at some of these guys and, and gals as well, and I, when did you realize you know what, David Melter is actually this brand that I need to be building up simultaneously next to the, uh, the media and, and marketing agency and everything else. You know, it happened about two Super Bowls ago. Uh, I, my guys wanted me to meet uh, Gary V, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk. And Gary was starting a sports agency called Vayner Sports. Yep. And his brother, AJ, was going to run it. And they needed some advice and help. And so I met them in the Nike suite at the Super Bowl two years ago. And I just, like I always do, provided service, provided value, asked for nothing in return. And uh, as I developed a relationship with the Vayner brothers, with Justin Jean Grande, the head agent there, uh, my 
uh, guys at the company were like, Dave, you should ask Gary on how he built his brand. You know, he's like a wine selling, selling entrepreneur who is as big as anybody in this space. And, you know, why don't you ask them? Because you have such a cool life and people would love to get your advice and your life. And, you know, this would be great content. Why don't you do it for yourself? So I sat down with Gary and I said, Hey man, my guys think that I can be a brand. I know how to market. I know how to build a brand. But do you honestly think that, you know, a, a middle-aged mutant business person like myself, you know, not particularly good looking, not particularly smart. You know, I have a great story and a great background and I do fun stuff, but do you think like people would actually follow me? And he said, absolutely. And he gave me a few tips and told me what to hire, what equipment to buy. And, you know, starting Super Bowl, you know, two years ago, I went from not having a brand at all to, like you said, you know, people put me up there with Gary V, with Tim Ferriss, with, you know, Lewis House and, sure. and other people. They begged to be on my podcast. And it's, uh, you know, I'm paid a lot to speak around the world. I'm an extraordinary business coach. I've been recognized to help people. I, I'm the only business coach out there that works month to month and guarantees quantitatively that I'll be a profit center. So I, I guarantee anyone that I work with that I will make you more money than you pay me. And that's how confident I am in my skill sets as well as my relationships that in the doors that I can open. But all of that, you know, I'm a big fan of Gary Vaynerchuk because he's living proof that with radical humility and asking for help that somebody can teach you and tell you if you have the skills, the knowledge and desire you know, to be really successful. So I'm a huge fan of uh, Gary and he has guided me to a whole nother level of life that I'll ever be indebted to him for. I, I can see that in a huge way. You know, check this out. If you're interested in how a brand gets built, I love that you, again, to be so transparent and say, look, it's only been a couple of years that I've been building this on purpose. You know, go check out Dave's Instagram. It's davidmeltzer.com. Uh, David, well, you can visit his website, but Instagram is David Meltzer. And you, you, know, you just watch like what you're doing and it does feel... Um, and I'm not meaning this in a, in a knock that it feels Gary V ish, but it feels like that because he's doing something right when he's coming up on 5 million followers. Um, and you're way up there over a quarter million. But do you take on the same idea of you're recording everything it looks like? And I know you do your podcast video. Let's just talk about a, a little bit of um, uh, tricks or, or techniques, at least. He has a big process or, or, or a theory about, you know, don't create but document. Do you. Do you subscribe to that? And if so, how do you go about kind of documenting the things you do and creating the, the content you're creating in addition to running a business? I think a lot of us are so busy just trying to run a business that we can't even imagine trying to document things along the way. <laughs> right. And, and this exact approach that I take, I, I look and get advice from him on what colors to use, how long the video should be, how consistently we put up the videos, how to repurpose and reutilize the videos how to reposit and search the videos. Uh, so, you know, him and his team are our mentors, you know, and it's nice for me because I'm not someone uh, who just takes, right? Like on the other side of it, I have extraordinary experience on how to build a sports agency and how to deal with athletes and how to deal with the marketing deals. And I'm on weekly with his guys and his guys are on weekly with mine, teaching and sharing ideas and testing things together. So, uh, you absolutely, you know, that documentation I call capture. There's techniques in the amplification of utilizing different platforms. So 
until very, very recently, I only used Instagram and I only wanted real followers. So yes. I don't accept everybody as a follower. I don't want to have, you know, I know guys that have a million followers and everyone out there, go ahead and check them out. They may have a million followers, but they get the exact amount of views on every video that they have. They have the exact amount of likes and they're just bots, right? I mean, what good is that? Or the people that will never do anything with them or for them. They're just not real. Yeah. And so Gary you know, taught me to build an audience that will rise up for me. And I've done that through, you know, truly being of service and of value. So uh, I use that technique in capturing, but also amplifying. Now I'm moving on to IGTV and LinkedIn and, of course, YouTube. You know, my favorite comments are people that are like, oh, my gosh, this is extraordinary content. I can't believe that's only the amount of followers you have. And meanwhile, some people ask me how many followers. I really don't even know. Because my gauge is what impact am I having and how much business am I doing? Yes. And all I know is every month my business is just blowing up with extraordinary opportunities and more and more people recognize me at the airport or recognize my voice or stop me and ask me for a picture. And I look at the results. I don't care. You know, if, if my thing said I had one follower, but this was the result, that would be a really nice follower to have, but I, I wouldn't care. So I think it's really important to put out quality content that inspires people. The, the big difference between me and a lot of people out there is that I'm a motivator, not a manipulator, right? I'm not, you know, telling you, you get a free book if you pay for shipping or, you know, this master. I, I've never sold anything to anyone, right? I'm just trying to provide service and value and people want me to help them. And if someone wants me to help them, I'm only going to help them if I can provide more value, maybe be a profit center to them. And that's how I do that. Well, and what a good dude. Now, speaking of, of books that you're not going to sell a book or anything, but you do have a book and I want to plug it for you. It's called Connected to Goodness. Um, where, and I'm assuming that's on Amazon, anywhere you can find a book. Who should read Connected to Goodness? Because I haven't had a chance to pull that up yet. I couldn't, I didn't find that book before. Yeah. And I'm excited to look at it now. <laughs> Well, I'm really excited because Connected to Goodness was the outline that when I lost everything and, and you know, had a formula to make it back uh, in the right way to be of service, because I was a manipulator. I could uh, back-end sell, oversell, manipulate people for money. I created this outline that made everything that you want a possibility, then through inspiration, a probability, and then through discipline and strategy and awareness, a reality or a perspective. So I created a formula, like Think and Grow Rich, a pragmatic formula to take advantage of not only business strategy, but also the spiritual side of, you know, understanding how to manifest things. Uh, I, you know, really believe in faith as a currency, just like money's a currency, faith is a currency. So I teach people how to figure out what they want, why they want it, and how to get it. And that's what connected to goodness is. And it's really through being kind, being of service and providing value that allows you to do all of that. Well, look, I, I get that from you. I mean, already a hundred percent, just, you know, having fun that it's connected for the, the time right here. Um, I definitely get you're a guy that is willing to, uh, to help, willing to step out, willing to do really kind of whatever it takes to, to be kind to someone, to support somebody. So I appreciate that guys. Make sure you definitely check out his book, Connect. Uh, connected to goodness. And we'll have a link on that for Amazon. 
and anywhere you get books, of course. And then the Playbook Podcast. So this podcast you have is is super cool. I just want to plug that real quick because, well, it just is. Okay. Um, the, uh, the guest caliber you've had on there and the stories that you get into with some just... I mean, your top athletes, top business people. Um, with the podcast, where do you see like... Where do you see that kind of going into the future? What do you want to do more of uh, on the Playbook podcast? Yeah, I really want to explore the spirit of excellence that exists in all genres of people, sports, entertainment, business, because there's commonalities of Playbook to success that I believe, you know, as we just expanded out three days a week uh, from, you know, just Tuesdays to Tuesday, Thursdays and Saturdays, that I want people to hear different stories that may resonate from different genres of people to find the commonality of success, right? And that, that's really the secret of what I'm trying to do is, you know, whether it's Ray Lewis or David Abelis from TaylorMade or Gary Shapiro from Consumer Technology Association or Danica Patrick, whoever it may be, there's this formula to success and why do we have to pay the dummy tax? So I want you know other people to share their situational knowledge and experience, so that they don't have to pay the dummy tax. So that, like I said, I'm out there as a CEO going around the world, empowering people to accelerate what they want, to exponentially grow in a very efficient, effective, and statistically successful way. And that's why I wrote you know my new book that's coming out July 15th is game time, game time decision making, and teaching people to find the right assumptions and to make the right decisions from those assumptions. And, uh, you know, I'm very, very excited about that one because it's the culmination and the evolution of all the different books that I've written and all the experiences I've had. So very excited about that as well as the playbook. Well, hey, excited to get game time decision-making. That is uh, going to be phenomenal. And I'm sure that when this goes live, it should be right about the time. So guys go like right now and go get game time decision-making. We'll have a link on the, on the show notes for it. You'll be ready to rock. And this, yeah, so the podcast, you got a new subscriber in me. Um, I'm not letting go. Very, very excited for the, for the time <laughs> together. And man, just excited to, uh, to know you, to see what's coming up in the future. Whether or not you are the wrestling observer, Dave Meltzer, I'm very still happy to meet you. All uh, right. Uh, well, I'm looking forward to you coming out to my studio, my office in California. I know you get out there and we can even do a replay of this with a nice quiet environment. So I appreciate everyone taking the time for, for this interview as well as the patience with all the background sound. So thank you so much. Uh, you, you've, you've been awesome. All right, Dave, thanks so much, brother. Oh, one last question before I let you go and I'm going to let you sure. get on with your day. My favorite question of all time is always, because it always has unpredictable results. With everything you've done, the success you've created, the people you've helped along the way, if you could change anything in your story, and I mean really change it, what would you change? Or would you leave it all the same? Oh, no. The only thing I'd change is I would uh, change my ego. Uh, I would create, you know, uh, the blessing of radical humility in my life. If I could change my personality, I wouldn't change anything that happened to me. But I wish I could have lived my life in this place of radical humility uh, earlier on in life. And I know I wouldn't change the things that happened, but that personality trait, I would change immediately. And I would wish it upon everyone else to live in radical humility, to be of service. And, you know, I wake up every morning and pray for at least 10 people I can help. And I try my best. I am a hypocrite because I don't do it all the time, but I try my best to live in service and to be kind to my future self and to do good deeds as much as I can. And that's what I would change. 
I know it's impossible, but that's what I would change if I could. I, I think that's a very fair answer. Drop the ego sooner and be humble faster. Love it. Thanks so much, Dave. Yeah. Thank you. Take care. Have fun. Thanks.